0: You're listening to the Playlist podcast, a discussion about film news and other related film and television items. I'm Ryan Oliver and today I'm joined by Playlist editor-in-chief Rodrigo Perez to discuss the box office decline of the Transformers franchise as well as the behind-the-scenes turmoil regarding the Han Solo Star Wars spin-off. I'll now drop you into our conversation as we share some thoughts on the latest Transformers movie. So yeah, I could just I guess we could just kick off by saying um... Th- this this news this uh, Transformers the last night um sort of box office how it's doing is sort of like a amalgamation of everything we've talked about so far uh, since doing the sort of like insider baseball uh, business end on this podcast like we we've, we've talked about Paramount hurting and desperately needing a hit. We've talked about the hubris of cinematic universes, which Transformers is trying to do. Uh, We've talked about franchise fatigue and we've talked about like making better movies or making good movies and people will show up. But if you don't make good movies, people just don't seem to be showing up. And I feel like with the, um, with a still solid, but declining uh, worldwide opening and a, the franchise low domestic opening, um, I just feel like this movie seems to be the apex of everything being uh, discussed right now.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, like Transformers is, uh, like anything. A lot of the big temples domestically are underperforming. You know, we've got um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is way down. The Mummy, uh, it, it, like audiences are just not domestic audience. North American audiences are a little bit more savvy and they and their fatigue is set in way earlier the international audiences are obviously like living you know uh culturally perhaps uh a few months a few years behind you know people like tom cruise are, are still a huge star overseas here he opens up the mummy to like what was it 30 million or something in the yeah. u.s that's extremely low um and tom cruise has actually always had a problem opening up big in the u.s which is really weird because he's still considered a huge star right he's tom cruise um but he's never been a huge he's been he's a more like a box office draw with a long tail rather than peaking really early but uh regardless yeah i think the domestic audiences are getting tired of all this stuff and again i think it's going back to what we've said several times before in these podcasts it's um it's all whether it's a good movie or not you know and that the domestic audience with all their choices um, that are available to them. If they see, you know, some l- lackluster or mediocre reviews or unenthused reviews, it tends to stay home, you know, and then you've got something like Wonder Woman and we talk about superhero franchise fatigue, but Wonder Woman's a big hit. Mm-hmm. It's like almost at, it's like 650 million worldwide. Um, it opened up to hundred million, uh, it's opening weekend and it's, I guess, new enough. Because it's got a, a lead female character, which we don't see very often in superhero films, then it does feel fresh, um, which is awesome for it. And um, that movie also yeah, has I,
0: legs too, which is something you don't oh, see in the summer hardly at all.
1: Totally, totally. And um, yeah, it's. It, I think it's there's a there's an exception to every rule, but uh, it, it appears that uh, domestic audiences are very skeptical and wary of big franchises especially when you're like up to number five or number six they start to tune out a little bit um whereas uh the international audiences because they're a few years behind they tend to like their films like the hunger games is a good example where it did okay internationally at first but then by the second or third film it's doing really really well you know mm-hmm. it takes the international audiences a sort of a minute to catch on um i think that goes across the board for you know Pirates of the Caribbean series, the Fast and Furious series, like you'll see the first maybe two installments or something, not really connect. Or I mean, they obviously still make a lot of money overseas, but like, you know, Fast and the Furious, like, like seven or eight films into the thing, now it's really, really taking off into this monster, you know, and thanks to China and places like that, and you know, thanks to China for everything, I guess, because like, you know, Transformers, uh, the last night, this most recent installment. Uh, made, like, I think it was 90-something uh, 90, 90 million in China this weekend. Yep. Um I could be wrong, but Some, it, it was something like that. More it than very, it did very... here. More than it did here. That's that's yeah. that's that's all
0: that we know. And, and <laughs> That's so, all you need to know. Exactly. And and it's so, um, I don't know, it's strange. Well, I guess, like you said, if you make a good movie, people will show up. This movie was poorly reviewed. Like most of the Transformers movies, but I, I think, like, that fatigue is really setting in and it didn't really like from the trailers didn't really show anything like this was a must-see movie. Uh, just sort of felt like, you know, punching the same time card into the transformer series. Didn't really feel like anything, but what I'm interested in, because this movie still will be a hit overseas, whether or not crossing yeah. the billion dollar mark is yet to be seen. Uh, it's definitely possible. Uh, even though there's a lot of competition coming in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but they had this planned cinematic universe, did like three yes. more main movies and like a Bumblebee yeah. spinoff, and they brought in this writers' room, and it's like, you know, I, I'm sure that Bumblebee movie will happen. It's far enough, long enough in pre-production that it's it'll happen. But um, yeah, but I guess is like, what does the future hold for that series? Do they do they just do they uh, do they bring in something to try and make people excited? Like, do they ditch Michael Bay? Do they what it what like? what do you think their next step is to you know cuz they can't they can't keep doing the downward spiral uh like paramount can't afford to do it disney could afford to but like they disney could make another pirates of the caribbean if they wanted to and if it weren't to take off like they'd be like oh okay well that didn't work out but paramount really yeah. can't afford to keep throwing good money after bad
1: Totally. At the same time, if if the movies make a billion dollars, I, I think they're going to be okay in the end. You know, well, for sure. But the question
0: uh, is, will it? That's that's the the million dollar or billion dollar question, I guess.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I let's see. Age of, Age of Extinction made two hundred and forty five million uh, domestically and eight hundred and fifty eight million uh, uh, internationally. So, if everything is trending upward, I know that. Um, Okay, now I remember the stats. Um, Age of Extinction made, I think it was three hundred million in uh, alone in uh, in uh, China, right? Three hundred twenty million alone, and the opening this weekend of last night was higher in China than the opening of Age of Extinction. Ergo, therefore, if if this opening is weekend is as big. One can surmise that maybe uh, The Last Night makes at least as much money as Age of Extin- Extinction did in China, which would be another 320 million. So, um, and that's again just in China alone. So, if things are going up internationally um, and it is in every territory, you could have a, a Transformers 5 movie that makes more than 850 million worldwide or internationally. So then you do the math and you've only got so much that uh the movie needs to to make domestically to um to hit a billion but that said with that weak, with that really weak opening it um maybe it's gonna tap out at about 150 thousand 150 million or something like that
0: that's kind of what I'm thinking about similar to where the um uh, the last parts of the Caribbean movies at like somewhere in the 160 170 range like highest right. highest that's yeah. and that's optimistic but that that's like, well, it a, also
1: depends what kind of legs the movie has, right? You never really know until that second or third weekend, which is always like when I'm writing the box office or I'm thinking about the box office, I'm always hesitate to make big pronouncements right away because, for sure, you know, like The Mummy is a good one, you know, it'd have been easy to call that a flop, and the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and yes, they're not doing great domestically, but the international grosses are so high that, like, it's, um, it's uh, premature to call them flops right away, you know,
0: for sure. And, but this, I, I guess domestically, anyway, this franchise has been historically front loaded. Um, this yes, franchise has made almost pretty true. much 50% of its uh, domestic run uh, or close to that in its uh, opening weekend or opening five day weekend. Cause it usually comes out around 4th of July. Um, yeah. That's good but um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess it's just, it's just fascinating to me because as a franchise that I've, you know just personally hated from the very beginning uh it's it's just interesting to see that it like at least in the states finally finally tailing off in some sort but it's just it's interesting that now now is the time that they're betting big on it when those numbers are potentially declining but again those overseas numbers continue to grow um this franchise might be saved by that but it'll be it'll i mean it'll be interesting i guess
1: just because you have IP doesn't mean that IP is going to do well. Um, in it, in it, IP in and it of itself isn't necessarily a guarantee to to make blockbuster money. It surely helps, but uh, yeah, you know the the, the fatigue sets in if the films aren't that good it, it'll be really it'll be interesting to see how this continues because you know so i'm i'm curious about spider-man then because spider-man homecoming because you know uh will, will that be the you know it's been receiving really uh great twitter reviews and early really uh, responses to really really positive but like i'm curious as to whether or not that's going to be the marvel film that i don't know certainly won't fail but I wonder if there's a little bit of fatigue there simply because this will be the sixth Spider-Man film and the third actor to have played him. And it's – he's by arguably the most unknown of all of the actors who have played him previously. And I guess there's maybe – that's maybe the reason why they've got Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. in there to to try and goose audiences into thinking you've got like a little mini Avengers type thing Um but yeah, I'll be curious to see how audiences respond to that. And my gut tells me that spider mans going to be a hit, but maybe not the gigantic monster hit that, um, you know, uh, Sony and Marvel want from that character. That character is generally considered like the Batman of the Marvel Universe. That's their, their touchstone key character. But they've had so many iterations of it that, um, and, you know, obviously his, his, the reaction to his appearance in Civil War was really – incredibly high people said he was the best character but he was also a supporting character he wasn't the entire movie um and and i've seen uh spider-man homecoming and i probably shouldn't say too much because i'm under embargo but i could probably say as much as people have tweeted and um my response to my tweet was something along the lines of like the twitter uh the twitter score will probably uh will go down after you know some more of the adults see it. <laughs> because, <laughs> I saw that. Uh,
0: I was wondering if that's what you were uh, referring
1: to. Um, yeah. I mean, because I think a lot of the, there's a lot of enthusiastic response from uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the comic book key crowd. But um, I don't know that, um, I don't know that the, the more serious minded critics are going to love it as much. I could be totally wrong. i um, i'm i'm a little bit cool on it but it, it's also kind of fun and entertaining spots
0: sure we'll all know in like two days after we record uh where where i stand on that anyway but right. um right. uh yeah i'm curious how that movie's gonna do too just simply because like like we mentioned with transformers there's just so much competition right now yes. um you know you have spider-man homecoming and despicable me three and war for the planet of the apes and uh dunkirk uh all coming out like boom, 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 one week after another. And so, you know, there's only so much money to go around and, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how Spider-Man homecoming does, uh, specifically because I think a lot of the more successful comic movies of late have attached themselves to being another genre or being fresh in some way. And this is just like, you know, on paper just seems like it's another Spider-Man movie. So, uh, I'll be really, really curious to see how that goes. Um, but speaking of uh, speaking of untested actors in an iconic role, just, we maybe could use that as a as a pivot point to the uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the the disastrous uh, thing that is this uh, Han Solo movie.
1: Yes, this is uh, an unmitigated, unprecedented disaster in Hollywood um, of, of of an epic scale. You've never seen something like this with such a big movie and directors being fired off the movie with three weeks to go in production. Like, that's that's like being in a four-year course, uh, uh, you know, university program and not being able to to finish out the school year with only three three weeks left to graduate.
0: Yeah, it's it's so strange. I mean, we've had this happen, like, multiple times where a director will come in and do reshoots. You know, obviously, Tony Gilroy did that with Rogue One, also Star Wars. Um, You know, there was a whole thing that, Kevin Costner kind of took the directing reins towards the end of the Waterworld run, uh, from Kevin Reynolds. So like this has happened before, but not in the level that just straight up fired and bring in an entire director in, um, as we, you know, as we're recording, this news broke today that, that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the directors originally attached, the directors who started lensing the movie were only doing like three different camera setups as opposed to like 12 or 15, not giving a lot of options, uh, for post-production and they were going off script with their improvisational style. As you know, you'd see in 21 and 22 jump street and, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Caston were not, uh, thrilled by that. And, uh, they just weren't willing to play ball, uh, the way Gareth Edwards did with, uh, what Rogue One needed. And so, uh, they are now off the project. Ron Howard is coming in. Uh, Ron Howard, of course, was approached by George Lucas to do the prequels originally. Um, and then just said, "Well, why don't you do it, George?" Uh, and so we did. But um, so Ron also directed.
1: He also directed Willow. George Lucas as Willow.
0: Yes, exactly. So he's he's got a good long standing relationship with with George Lucas, with Kathleen Kennedy. You know, he came up in that same era. Of course, he's in American graffiti. There's ties with American graffiti there. Um, yeah. As well. Yep. So he, there's there there's a lot of ties. He's sort of a, and you wrote up this great piece uh, last week about how like you know regardless of what personal opinions might be, he's kind of the perfect director that Lucasfilm needs right now to, uh, you know, he's, he's a very, he's a seasoned director. He's a, he's a, he's a journeyman. He will, you know, steer this, this ship to the finish line. Um, But I I think the bigger question uh, that comes from all of this is like, what does this say about, you know, Disney's obviously is going to go so far to protect the star Wars brand. Uh, that they will throw any amount of money at reshoots, any amount of money at director, whatever it takes, they will do it to protect the brand. But
1: yeah,
0: 100%, but these spinoff movies were, you know, when they were announced, they were supposed to be, um, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. They were supposed to be sort more adventurous. Like they were supposed to deviate a little off the beaten path. Not too much, not too much, but just like enough to where these movies stood on their own two feet and they could inhabit different genres. But you know, this, this, uh, version that lord and miller were making for lucasfilm was uh, i believe quote unquote not star wars enough so i'm wondering and they haven't announced any spinoffs i think like we mentioned in a previous episode but i'm curious what that's going to bode for these spinoff movies going forward and will young hungry directors be interested in taking that on uh if if the same fate will befall them that did uh gareth edwards and now uh, phil lord and chris miller
1: yeah it really speaks to uh i mean this happens all the time in hollywood people saying you know uh, you know for example edgar wright and ant-man um you know they hired edgar wright he'd been around for a long time he did all these drafts and then you know right about as they're about to begin production they sort of realize oh we don't really want to make an edgar wright movie we want to make a marvel movie and his version is is too edgar wrighty and -hmm. it's like this is what you paid for. This is what you wanted all along. And there seems to be, this is, it's often seems to be the case. And there seems to be that kind of disconnect where people don't understand what they've bought. Um, And, and it it sounds from all the reports here, it says there's a lot of friction between um, the style that um, Lord and Miller, uh, how the way they shoot things and how Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy expects their sausage to be made. And it's like, Shouldn't you guys be on the same page for minute one? Shouldn't those things of those been ironed out? Like, how do you do this? This is how we do things. Right. Hold on a second. I hear a helicopter. This fucking thing is just like flying overhead over and over and over again.
0: You hear it? Yeah, I, hear, I definitely hear it. I didn't when you first said it, but okay, now it's gone.
1: I've also been during this conversation – I've been muting myself because it keeps coming back and back and forth. But by the time you're done talking, it seems to be gone. So I've just been I've been muting myself so you don't hear it. But the helicopter has been here for the last like five or 10 minutes.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Um,
1: Yeah, it's really fucking frustrating. But anyhow, I I think I should be fine now. Um, Is it coming back again? If I talk loud enough over it, maybe you can't hear it. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it's probably really, just in the gaps.
0: Yeah, I haven't been hearing it in, until it's like right overhead. But like the sort of like right, in right. the distance, I haven't been hearing it a ton.
1: Um, I, I don't know where I was, but uh, it's like you know, i I'm just thinking about what, like, aren't these people on the same page? some um, they discuss the, the the setups and the way the expectations, and this is our style, and it, it's it's um, it's almost shocking sometimes how how much. The disconnect is there between what the studios are hiring and what they want. And uh, like, aren't there meetings here that where they decide that yes, it sounds like we're on the same page, or or do they just hire these people willy-nilly because it sounds like oh, you know, this is a, they're going to give us all this flavor. They're such an interesting people. They're going to. Is there sort of this unspoken thing where they're like, we want you to be goofy with Han Solo, but goofy within the parameters of Star Wars. And is that said is it spoke is it unspoken is it just supposed to be understood
0: right it just doesn't it's on, it's
1: stupid fucking thing again do you hear it
0: i do hear it all right now it's gone all right um yeah, I, I'm with you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because that that should have been that should have been drawn and signed in ink from the very beginning. That um, here's your sandbox, essentially. Don't go outside of that sandbox. Or if they wanted them to go outside of it, then also communicate that. But then you can't be upset about the movie that they're making uh, if they come back and make that movie. Um, so it's just it just seems strange, and it seems strange that a project of you know this scope that brand that character got this far in that friction without it being ironed out to begin with like it just this is this is uh it's unprecedented and, and yeah it's
1: there's a there's a really big disconnect there i just think about it in the jobs i've had and the projects you go where there's sort of a quality control along the way and you know um you have meetings before projects are greenlit and and there's a very you know, a strong understanding of of what's uh, what what it's going to be. A lot of questioning of what about this, what about that. People like really taking you know, putting it to the smell test to see if it's going to get greenlit. And um, uh, so so something somewhere along the ways, obviously like Lucasfilm develops their script. They all you know take a long time, and then it gets the script itself gets greenlit. But then when you're with a directorial project process it has to be more than we really like your pitch we really like your take let's do this like there needs to be um the, it needs there needs to be some uh you know a, a little bit uh finer tooth or finer comb toothbrush or <laughs> whatever you want to say uh looking at uh um how this is going to be approached in in a in a more granular way
0: right uh and it sounds like it sounds like most of what they've shot is going to be salvaged and is going to be used. But, um yeah, I just think it's fascinating. It's it's strange that they're going to um... – hold on. Let me gather my thoughts here. Um Like, I'm just – I'm really interested in the final product. Like, how is it going to be – is it going to be, like, sort of Ron Howard doing a, like, Diet Coke version of Lord and Miller style? Like, if their stuff's usable, like, is it going to be – more of a Ron Howard movie, or or I mean, I guess, like, a lot of these big franchises, just more, like, a producer's vision. <laughs> It'll be Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm's vision, then whoever was just able to shepherd it to be that uh, will be the film that is made. Like, I, I
1: don't yeah, know. So it's, a, it's a weird one, because people, like, there's half the response is like, well, you hired Lord and Miller. What, do you, what did you expect? And it's like, well, you didn't expect them to make a, z- a zany, z- wacky Star Wars film, and you know, you probably expected them to add some flavor to a template, but like, is that not communicated or did Lord and Miller just like run away and just do whatever they felt like doing? So that's the strange disconnect there. The other part that, that I thought was interesting was people going, it's sort of like you get that fan opinion and you're not looking realistically or practically because you can't go, you know, when Ron Howard was announced, people were like, Oh my God, what a boring choice. But the reality is, you've got this multi-million-dollar project that's gone off the rails. What are you going to do? You hired Lord and Miller and didn't work out. Didn't work out, and you know, you got all this money on the line. Are you going to hire Spike Jones on top of it at the last minute to do that? Like, you yeah. know what I mean, why would you throw like a risk on top of a risk? That makes absolutely zero sense. So, Ron Howard, uh, like you know, a journeyman, um, is the absolutely one hundred percent correct choice. For for Star Wars and for Han Solo, the Lucasfilm is just trying to get this thing in, get it in on budget. They're already going to go way over budget, but like, you know, they're trying to salvage this thing. So, of course, they're going to bring in some kind of journeyman who can, you know, who's got a very sort of like working blue collar almost attitude to filmmaking, um, and and uh, and bring it into their vision. You know, right. I, I think he's, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do because clearly. Lord Miller and Kennedy and Lucasfilm were on a different page. But if, if they're the ones who are going, this is what we want, this is what we actually wanted, um, Howard is a pretty good director to execute that vision.
0: Exactly. And it's. Uh, I want to say I think you mentioned it or or Kevin mentioned it in a write-up. Um, I'm not I'm, – I don't remember, but uh, I think uh, there was mention about uh, like people were calling for uh, Colin Trevorrow's head after uh, the disaster of, of the Book of Henry and like wanting him to be fired and then like right turned around this happened with phil lord and chris miller and it's like of course like which that's silly it's like that director is also a journeyman like colin trevorrow is a journeyman like disney doesn't give a shit about this like disastrous little indie that just, just sweep it under the rug and be like oh yeah you go you go make your movie it's a I think we talked about it before with Ben Affleck. It's like a live by night situation. Like that movie did not hurt him in any way, shape, right. or form. No, no. Um, and so, now
1: that, that's a little bit silly when people go, "Oh, the, the book of Henry is a bomb. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna axe him from Star Wars." It's like that's a little bit naive, considering that like he's been working on this for how long now?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, like,
1: and, and little Henry, and the book of Henry was a, a little movie that he banged out in between, basically Jurassic World and having to do. Uh, Pre production and production on the Jurassic World World sequel that he's he he wrote and is is executive producing, so it's something he did pretty pretty quickly, and. Um you got to weigh like a a box office, an indie box office flop versus having directed the fourth highest grossing film of all time, which is Jurassic world. And you know, you tell me which way you think that the scales are going to tip and and whether he gets fired or not. Exactly.
0: And it's very evident by the movies that he's made that like, you know, whether, whether you like his films or you don't like, I personally don't, but like, he's, Mm -hmm. he's a genuinely like, you know, he, he, like, like we said, he's a journeyman. Like he's gonna, he's gonna do, he's gonna be collaborative. So it's like that person, is not the person who's going to get fired um so it's uh yeah you're you're absolutely right in the way that ron howard is the perfect choice to just steer the ship to the finish line um and it's funny it went from a movie that you know also just personal opinion went from a movie that i really didn't have a lot of interest in seeing to now i'm just like well i have to see this finished product just to see what the fuck happened at this point
1: uh oh the book of henry
0: no 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 uh excuse me well that too because i like schlock but like the han solo movie uh <laughs> oh, han, yeah, like, yeah. yeah like a movie i had no interest in to being like oh crap now now we have to see how this how this thing came together and if it makes sense or not
1: you were talking about earlier is like how much they want people to play outside the sandbox and what they're really looking for with these spin-offs and i think they're I think Rogue One is probably a pretty good example. Like, to them, that's a risky proposition because, and it is in some ways, like, when was the last time you saw a billion dollar movie where every character at the end dies? You know?
0: Yeah, not often. I, I'm really hard pressed to think of another movie uh, where that happened.
1: Um, and it, it's very much within the Star Wars realm, right? It's like very much feels like a Star Wars movie, but it sort of leans a little bit heavier on a war film, right? Right. So I think that's what they're kind of looking for. Is that you've got these Star Wars movies, and they have to feel, look, and have that Star Wars tone, the, the sort of the nuts and bolts, and then lean a little bit into a different genre. And maybe that's what they were doing with Han Solo, where it was leaning a little bit more into comedy, which is I think they wanted to begin with, but perhaps they just leaned far too much into it and in their style, leaning in a way that wasn't working. And then again, so it's, I think it's just. Multiple factors as well. I think, as the trades has sort of pointed out, the fact that they were ignoring the script, because of the fact that they were, you know, it's not just one thing. It's sort of like the straw that breaks the camel's back, because it's uh, a number, of numerous issues.
0: Exactly. And I just, I, I, can't help, you know, probably, probably getting close to closing out here, uh, but I can't help but think every time I read this, it's just like the end of Barton Fink, to, just to be like, you think, you think you're the only one who could do Star Wars? I got twenty other directors who give me that Star Wars <laughs> feel. <laughs> like it just, just, seems to be what's going on. Uh, with with this movie as evident by the, just the rotating door um, with both this and Rogue one, but you're right. It, it's they're They're, they're going to deviate slightly from star Wars. They want to deviate from like the main storylines, but not that much, not so much that you can't recognize yeah, on, it. As,
1: only so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, and
1: I think the I think the real telling or really interesting thing is going to be, they've had two films back to back now where they've essentially had to reshoot them, really go in, take them apart bring in new directors, and um, they don't want that to be the narrative going forward. Lucasfilm does not want to be known as the company that basically takes films away from their filmmakers. That's a very, very, I don't care if you're Star Wars, I don't care if you're anyone, that's a very bad reputation to have, Mm -hmm. and Lucasfilm surely do not want that. So I think they will probably hit pause on who they were thinking about hiring for their next spinoffs, because they probably have a set of three or four spinoffs that we don't know about in development um probably several several films in development and then obviously of course when someone one gets to a certain stage they're like okay great we can announce this one you know and they could have for all we know there's seven or eight sort of brewing whether they become films or not nobody knows um but i think they will I, they'll really think hard about who they hire, and not only that, but then the process of like, look, hey, we've had these issues in the before in the past. This is really what we're looking for, and really laying it out bare and naked, and seeing if the people who wants to these candidates or these people pitching for them whether they're on the same page or not. And if they're not, you know, uh, they got to part ways.
0: Right. I think that's that's probably the approach to take, and I think that's probably why we haven't seen one announced. We haven't seen a movie announced after episode nine because i think they're being very cautious as like you said who they hire and what the narrative is going to be going out and yet i I think like this is again it's unprecedented and they they or anybody do not want to see this happen again (laughs) so it's
1: it's also smart because then you don't set up that kind of expectation where like you You've announced nine movies and like, you know, you don't even know if movie number three is going to be good, but you've announced nine. You know, that's the problem that everybody falls into. Mm -hmm. And Star Wars and Lucasfilm has been wise enough to sort of like uh, not go down that route and be a little bit more safe. And again, for all we know, they do have nine films in the pipeline, but they're smart enough to not announce every single one of them.
0: Right. Exactly. Because, yeah, you set yourself up for failure that way. I mean, just look at at Dark Universe, look at DC. We've seen it. We've seen it before. We've seen it again. yeah Yeah, star wars is the inventor of like you know big franchises essentially but like even then they're they're not going to take that risk just like they're not going to take the risk with a star wars comedy
1: yeah
0: yep well i don't know i think we've we've pretty we've laid it out pretty pretty good what do you think should we
1: wrap this up yeah yeah totally i think i think we're we've good here we've we've uh 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 undressed and, and redressed han solo and transformers and uh uh, I think we'll be, obviously, every week there's a, a new story uh, to, to discuss, so um, I'm sure we'll talk soon about uh, whether it's Mummy 2 or Dark Universe Expanded once again, uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there will be uh, uh, more to discuss.
0: We'll be back, definitely. Well, thanks thanks for logging on and chatting with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. Find this and all other Playlist podcast shows, including Adjust Your Tracking, Finsworthy, Worthy, and Overunder Movies, on theplaylist.net. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave us a comment or a rating if you feel so inclined.
1: Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.